God. God is good. Thank you, Lord. If you have your Bible today, go ahead and get that out. If you've got a Bible app, get those out and ready to go, fired up. Go over with me to Acts chapter, uh, well, your favorite chapter. Take your whatever chapter you want. and uh, Or you can go to Acts chapter 9 with me. Acts the ninth chapter, if you know where that is. Take some time and find it. Look at it with your own eyes. Make sure I'm not making stuff up. Acts chapter 9. We've been teaching the uh, last several weeks now um, a series of messages I've been sharing along the lines of increase and multiplication. That's a word from God. And it's a word that we find in His Word, not only what He's leading us to do right now in this house and in our lives, but if you have a desire to grow, to increase, to multiply, there's a lot of good things and a lot of areas that I could totally say 100% God's with you and not against you, and He's for you, and and, then He's leading you into this increase. We could talk about increase in in love and faith and and, and the the Word of God, increase even in finances and just other areas the Lord wants to bless you abundantly. But not only that, God wants to bless His house. He wants to bless the church. He wants the church to increase and multiply and for us to reach many people in our valley, in our state, and our country, and the world. And uh, Jesus paid the price for every single one of them, you know. (laughs) Remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Not just a select few. He didn't just love a handful of people and the rest, you know, just like go to hell kind of thing. No, He loved every single one. Every single person shed his precious blood so people could know him. And he desires a church that's alive, that's thriving, that is, that, that, that is overflowing with the amazing goodness of his might and power and li- wisdom and love. And he wants this to be a vibrant church, not stagnant in any way. Praise God. So the way that works is we all experience that on an individual level. And then when we come together, we blow up. Yeah. Amen. And, and, and so I want to continue along these lines some more, uh, talking about the atmosphere that is conducive to growth and increase and multiplication. In Acts chapter 9, we want to read this verse once again from, uh, from the Scripture, verse 31. It, it says, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord... And the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So I want to draw your attention once again that the, 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 the statement of they were multiplied is tied to or connected to the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We, we have seen in our previous teachings that godly fear was key to their multiplication. In, in fact, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28, it says that we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So there's a right way to serve Him, which would indicate there's a wrong way to serve Him, or there's an unacceptable way to approach Him, but the right way is with reverence and godly fear. So if I want to have a relationship with God and I want to serve Him, I want to make sure I have those attributes in order in my own life. I want to make sure that we corporately as a church, when we come together to sing, to worship, to be taught, to serve, to give, to do all the things that we do, that we are approaching Him with reverence and godly fear. Yeah? Because that is what is necessary. That's what makes this work. That's what brings the presence of God in greater manifestation. Amen. 
Now, now think about it for a moment. If you were to um, uh, have an appointment or be invited to see someone of great importance, if, if you were uh, going to see someone of great stature, of uh, you know, it, you, it was quite a privilege to be invited to meet with this person or talk to this individual. Um, and they were, you know, held in high esteem or in a high position. Um, how would you prepare for that meeting? I mean, what would you do up front? I mean, this is maybe a once-in-a-lifetime event. And uh, would you ask any questions ahead of time? Would you be wondering, what is the proper etiquette for someone to meet with an individual like this? Uh, w- would you maybe be asking questions like, is there a proper way to address this person? You know, what should I call them? Should I use their first name or their title or, you know, those kind of questions. Would, uh, what would be etiquette? What should I avoid? What should I not do? You know, should I, you know, should I put my hand out? Should I do a high five? You know, <laughs> uh, should I, uh, is there any proper attire? What should I wear in this setting? I mean, I want to want to be I don't want to be disrespectful to this person. And and how many know for the individual that asks those questions, it shows respect. It shows that you're not wanting to t- take this meeting, this appointment lightly. You're not treating it as, hey, no big deal. This is same as going out in the backyard to pet my dog. <laughs> no, this is a big deal. I want to handle this properly. All right. Now think about it. If we would do that for a human being that is, you know, held in high regard by humanity, <laughs> how much more? You know where I'm going with this. How much more? I have an appointment with Almighty God. I have an opportunity to meet with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I have a chance to meet with the Almighty. He's all-knowing and all-powerful and all-wise. And, and I can come and talk with Him. Well, that's kind of a big deal. Let's not uh, take that lightly. Let's not take it for granted. We get to come up before Him. And so to ask questions about that meeting shows regard, shows respect. If I'm saying, you know, how should I approach the Lord? What should I call Him? What would be appropriate? What shouldn't I do? What should I avoid? Is there any etiquette to this? All right. Is there any, and we go to the scripture, is there any biblical precedent that says, come before him this way? So I've never really asked those questions. I want you to ask those questions because it's respectful. I want you to consider that. I want us to consider these things when we come together. This is a big deal, a meeting with God today. What if I wore the wrong jersey? Oh, no. <laughs> but on a serious note, we're seeking Him, saying, Lord, how do you want me to act, behave, speak? Why? The fear of the Lord is key to Him saying, boom, here's who I am. Here's all that I have. You know, over in Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 7, we read about Jesus And it says in the last part of that verse that he was heard because of his godly fear. Think about it. Jesus, he's the son. In fact, he's God in the flesh. (laughs) This is Jesus. Why was he heard? Because of his godly fear. And so it makes me wonder sometimes, 
why, you know, or maybe answers a question of why some people don't seem to be heard. Maybe only respectful voices get respected. Maybe when someone shows no regard for, for, for God, that when they go calling, their, their voice doesn't carry much weight with Him. Reminds me of the Old Testament verse that says that if you uh, honor Him, He will honor you. Yeah? And, and this type of respect is something that's necessary. And even Jesus Himself the Father was pleased with Him. He, was, he is the Son, and yet He approached the Father with this reverence, with this godly fear. Looking at Noah's life. Remember Noah who built the ark? Uh, scripture says similar things about him in Hebrews eleven seven, that he moved, he was moved with godly fear to prepare the ark. In other words, why did he go through this great... A little bit of life interruption for a hundred years, you know, and build this fantastic ship for the animals. Godly fear drove him to do that, moved him to do it. He was moved with godly fear. Makes sense to me, and now I understand sometimes why people hear God's voice and don't do anything with it. Why sometimes the, the, the Word of God is taught and people go, oh yeah, that's neat cool (laughs) that was good but they don't ever do anything with it what's lacking in their lives godly fear because if we have that level of respect for his words we're saying oh boy this is serious business wow this is important i'm not just going to hear it and act like it's no big deal i'm going to be moved to action those who are not moved to action moved to obey they lack respect they lack this attribute of godly fear So I'm kind of thinking, let's get our act together personally, and we come in together, and we are open and listening and paying attention and giving great weight to everything God says. And He says, "Mm, nice, I like that. Boom. It gets heaven's attention. Okay? And so uh, the Scripture went on to say there in Acts 9 that it was not only the fear of the Lord, but it was also the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now consider that for for a few moments. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. Why would a person need to be comforted by the Holy Spirit? They wouldn't need that if their environment, if their surroundings, if their life was always comfortable. You don't need comforted unless there is discomfort. So the very existence... And the very reality that there is a thing called the comfort of the Holy Spirit should reveal to us that we are going to deal with some uncomfortable situations. All right? Say, why? I mean, Jesus died. He defeated the devil and all. Yes, we're redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. Why would there be uncomfortable situations? Because we live in a fallen world and are surrounded by fallen people. And, of course, there's still a devil on the run. Yeah, defeated one, but he's still out there. Right? Ruling the world. God of this world. That's the reason we have to deal with uncomfortable situations. Um, But this tells me that I shouldn't be surprised by it. In fact, uh, uh, I wish there was a prayer to avoid that. You know what I'm talking about? A one-time prayer. 
And if we do this prayer just right, from now on, no one else is going to be uncomfortable for the rest of their life. From that moment, flowery beds of ease. It's going to be just glory. We're just How many get up in that prayer line? How many, uh, you'd be, I'd be, uh, sign me, I'd be in that one. In fact, I would have already prayed it a while ago. Right? And uh, but that prayer doesn't exist. You know, the only way to really get that is to say, Die! <laughs> right? Alright, next person, who's up next? <laughs> Die! Because <laughs> if you're a believer and you go to heaven, okay, you're good to go. All right. But on this side, because of those conditions we outlined, we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And He will help us to overcome uncomfortable situations by His power and by His grace. But this is why we must learn to resist the devil, overcome adversity, and walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If we don't learn that, it's not automatic. But if we don't learn how to do that, then, a, then discomfort will be our lot. Let's learn to let Him minister to us. Listen to Him. Obey Him. You know, Peter said, 1 Peter 4.12, uh, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. So don't be surprised by this. Don't think, wait, 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 wait. What's, up? What's, up? Go- what's up with this? What's going on here? I didn't sign up for trouble. I didn't sign up for a trial. Of course you didn't. I didn't sign up for one either. But he said, don't be surprised when it comes. That doesn't mean we don't overcome. doesn't mean he hasn't given us the victory. He has. But we still need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And a church that walks in both the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit gets multiplied. So, well, what if we don't have any, have any respect for God? We don't have any reverence. We don't have any awe. Well, then we're limiting what God can do. What if we don't have any comfort? Watch. Here's what that means. That means we're all uncomfortable continually. If you were visiting, maybe you are. If you were visiting a church and everyone in the house looked like some of the members of Congress at the State of the Union. In case you saw that. You know, like they're sitting on a tack. You know what I mean? But if every one of us looked like we're just half annoyed and angry and miserable, I mean, I wouldn't want to go to that church. I'm just saying I'd look around and think, no, this isn't working. If it's not working for them, why would it work for me? Yeah? So we need the respect, we also need the comfort of the Spirit. Why? So that we're not overcome by the things of this world. I know the Spirit's got my back. I know He's there to help me and say, you can do it. You can be strong and you can, you can survive and you can live and you can thrive. Huh? So in the midst of a dark situation, here comes His glorious light lifting us and making us who we are supposed to be. Uh, you know, if you're in your house and maybe the temperature's kind of cool or something, you've been hanging out in a chair and, and you're getting kind of cold, what do you put on? Sometimes people will grab a comforter. Why? Because the surrounding environment is not conducive to my enjoyment. So I want to add something to me that'll... Once I have the comforter on, I'm saying, no, we're good. Everything's fine. Don't need to change the thermostat, nothing. I'm good. I got the comforter on. 
How many think we need that in life? And He is the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now look over to Acts 16, if you would. Turn over there with me. Acts chapter 16. And let's read over here in verse 4. 4 and 5, actually. 4 and 5. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Okay, so here we go again. We've got that, that, that outcome. We've got that end goal. That desire is the increase that comes from God was happening in their midst. So I go back and I look, okay, what condition existed that was contributing towards that increase? And it says the churches were strengthened in the faith. Now, now, now watch the difference here. Not just coming to faith, not just I heard Jesus and I believed and I was saved. These are the churches. So these are saved people And what did the saved people need? To be strengthened in the faith. Which shows me the possibility that someone could be a believer and yet be weak in the faith. They could be saved in the family of God, sins forgiven, and yet be walking weak. A weak church is not a good thing. People who, even if they gather together and they like one another (laughs) and, and have good times, but they're weak in the faith, that's a problem. And so what did they recognize? Is their need for continual strengthening by God's Word. It's not a one time event. It's not a, I'm going to lay hands on you and boom, you're going to be strong from here on out. They needed to hear, what did they need to hear? The decrees to keep. We could summarize that. We could just say they needed to hear the word again. You needed to hear the word to have faith to be saved, to come to the Lord to begin with. But then you needed to hear the word again. Needed to hear the word again. Needed to hear the word again. Is there any day in your future that you don't need strength? Man, we need strength every single day, every moment of every day. What does that tell me? Well, it's coming from me knowing and hearing the increase, hearing the, the decrees of the Lord. And so what if I live my life in some way where I separate myself from that or I don't give myself to a position where I can receive words from the Lord regularly? Then I'm going to be insufficient. My life is going to be weak. You know, one of the things we endeavor to do uh, um, continually is all the individuals that come to our services or, or we go to them and they receive the Lord. Uh, you know, like we gave you the report, we, we almost hit a thousand last year of people receiving the Lord in, in our services, either the kids, the adults, or the youth, uh, through that year. You know, one of the things we try to get people who receive the Lord to do? Stay in the Word. <laughs> in other words, come back so you can hear again. They heard unto salvation, and now they need to hear again to be strengthened. If they don't, if we can't convince them of the need, of the necessity, the value in doing that, 
what happens is they have an experience with God and then they go out and get weaker and weaker and weaker because they need spiritual food. (laughs) They need to be strengthened by hearing this. So these uh, early church leaders, they went to them, brought the word, salvation. You know what they did after that? They went back. They went back. They need to hear it again. We've got to give them more. We've got to unveil this thing because being saved is not sufficient for seeing, seeing increase. And I tell you, in this house, what do we need? We need believers who are strong. Now, if you're weak, that's why we're doing what we're doing. So you can be strengthened. When you are, increase comes from God. Amen? And how many know when we talk about hearing words from God, it's not just hearing anything. Well, I went to church, did my thing. Yeah, uh, my, my wife was just telling me yesterday about reading uh, this book she just finished. And uh, a Christian book, you know, teaching or espousing some, you know, desirable uh, outcomes in life. And she told me, she said, the writer is very, very talented. She said the create the creative writing, you know, her her ability. The woman who wrote this was very very gifted in writing, but she said, but it was all surface. It was it was all kind of just fluff. She said that some of it, the writing was so good, you'd be convinced for a, a moment, and then you'd look back at it and say, wait, wait a minute, no, that's not right. We need to watch out for our own lives against. You know, stuff that is presented in a very convincing way, but is not grounded and founded in God's Word. Because it won't, it won't lead us to victory. It won't put strength in our hearts. And, 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 and so a lot of that's out there. I, I don't know. Well, let me, let me read you a verse. <laughs> John 8.31. John 8.31. Then Jesus uh, said Jesus to those Jews which believed in Him, If ye continue in My Word, then... Are ye my disciples indeed? That's the King James Bible. If you do what? You continue in my word. What if you don't continue in his word? Then ye are not his disciples indeed. What if I just heard the word once? Well, good for you. But he said those who continue in it, they're the ones who are my disciples. In other words, they have an ability to stick to it. They have discipline in their lives. They're, the Word of God empowers, enables, equips them to walk with Him every day. But if someone doesn't continue to receive the Word, they're going to be probably in the world and in the church and in the kingdom and in, 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 in the flesh. Huh? The old saying goes like this, faith comes by, comes by hearing and goes by having heard. And it's that absence of continuance that many people are uh, missing and lacking in their lives. So according to the verse, verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, what if a person doesn't continue? They won't know the truth. And what if they don't know the truth? They won't be free. And so that's, that's how that works. If I want to be free... I've got to know it. I'm never going to know it unless I continue in it. So it's why, this is God's pattern, you guys, that we hear it continually. So how often? The rest of our lives. Continually stay in the Word. I need to know the decrees that come from Him so I can be strengthened and God can bring increase. Praise God. Amen. 
Now, how many know hearing the Word is different than just reading a self-help book? Or just psychology? Okay, those things have their place. But that's not what we're talking about. Don't ever substitute uh, the Word of God with that type of thing. Amen. I know I, wall- I wallowed around in ignorance for quite a few years. Until I heard the Word of God taught clearly. And I didn't know that it was even there. And I would be in church week after week, many times, multiple times per week. I read the Bible on my own and, and prayed a little bit. And, uh, and I was a mediocre Christian through all of it. And, uh, and I'd go to church and learn how to get saved. And then I'd go to church and they'd tell me how to get saved. And I'd go to church and they'd tell me about the plan of salvation. And I was already saved. I already knew that message. I knew what to do to be saved, to go to heaven, to believe on Him. I needed something else. I needed something more. Don't just tell me the same thing repackaged every week. Week in, week out, week in, week out. Saved. I'm a believer. I needed to eat. I needed some depth. I need to get below the surface. Has anyone ever felt like that? This happened to me. Then I was exposed. People gave me some teaching. And back then, I, it was on cassette tape. And I started listening to some teaching that was a little deeper. I was able to continue in the Word. And I was amazed. I was shocked. I thought, listen, look at this. This has been here the whole time. As far as I knew, there wasn't a new Bible that came out, you know, an amendment. Same scriptures. And yet all of a sudden it's blowing up inside of me. It's going off. It's, I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm growing. I'm devouring it. I can't get enough. I'm like a teenager eating, you know. Can't get enough. Just got yeah, more food, more food. And, uh, uh, you know, this is going off in me. And then I'm annoyed. What am I annoyed at? How long I've been in church. And never learned these things. And no one ever taught this stuff. And here I was, a weak Christian. I was a true Christian. My heart was right. I had a right motive. I wanted to live for God. I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the strength that was necessary. And so I followed that. Oh, it stirred me up. Glory to God. And I'd talk about it going in and talk about it going out. And I'd meditate on these things. And it lit a fire inside of me. Before you knew it, I was in Bible college. And then I was a pastor. So a warning. (laughs) Might not want to do this. All right, do whatever God calls you to do. Uh, But they continued in the Word. This was key to their increase. Now look at Acts 19. Acts the 19th chapter. And, 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 and notice with me over here in verse 18. Acts 19, 18. And many who had believed. Now stop for a moment. I'm gonna, I want to do this different. Alright. Uh, verse 20. Verse 20. Let's read the end first. Verse 20, Acts 19, 20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Okay, that's what I want. I want word of God grow mightily and prevail. Now let's see the condition that caused that. Verse 18, and many who had believed came 
confessing and telling their deeds. All right, hold on a minute. This is, this is serious business. You know people are serious with God when they approach Him this way. All right, They're coming out of the world. And what are they doing? They're believing on the Lord. Now that's enough to be saved. You believe on the Lord, you're saved. Our confession as a, to go from a sinner to a saint is not the confession of sins. It's the confession of the Lordship of Jesus. Right? That's what causes you to be saved. But look what they did. They came and they started telling everyone what kind of bunk and baloney they were involved in. They came saying, I've done this sin, and I did this sin, and I've been involved in this ungodliness, and this wrong stuff. Wow. That's powerful to me. That tells me, these guys are serious. They're not only confessing the Lordship of Jesus, they're not only receiving the Lord as their personal Savior, you know what what also they're doing? They're saying, and this is all the stuff I used to do. Why would you do that? Why would you let people know? Only because they're completely serious and completely sold out and they want accountability. They want other people to know that's who I used to be. This is who I am now. Don't let me go back. Don't let me be associated with that any longer. Amen. We don't require that here. We don't say, you want to be saved? All right, let's get the microphone. Tell us what you've been doing. We don't do, I mean, I don't think it was required. They, it was self-motivated. They, they, I need to tell this. And that could be embarrassing. They didn't care. So I'm giving my life to the Lord. I believe in Him now. I'm going to live for Him. I wonder how many people are totally serious about their, their commitment to the, to the Lord. I wonder sometimes if... You know, we come in here and we say the right words and sing the right songs and hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother, sister. (laughs) And then go out and we go out and cuss like our friends do and do all the same things we used to do and talk like they do and go to the same places and see the same shows and listen to the same tunes and and nothing else in our life has really changed that much. Except for when we come to church. Hallelujah, isn't God good? That's just a thought. Verse 19, also many of those who had practiced magic, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of God, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Again, what caused the word of God to grow mightily and prevail? Here's what happened. They came, they gave their lives completely to him. They confessed their bunk and baloney. They left their old lifestyle. And those who were in the magic arts and witchcraft and, and all that demonic type of stuff, what did they do? They had a lot of money invested in that stuff. Some of it was probably their livelihood. They had put a lot, they had a great value and they said, burn it up. I know some people would say, seriously brother, you might just want to sell that. That's worth a lot of money. You could give an offering to the Lord. But they were so serious about what they were doing, they said, no, burn it. I am leaving that life. I am no longer associating with that world of darkness. I am going to embrace and associate with Jesus from this point forward. Amen. I think it's funny. I've been to some different uh, countries around the world where you drive down the street and you see like a shop, like auto body or you know, a florist or, or something like that. And, and the, name of, the names are interesting because it'll say like, 
uh, Jesus auto body <laughs> or stuff like that. And, and what I was told, they said, yeah, in some of these places, when these people get saved, they just, they do that. <laughs> Once they become a believer, they attach something Christian to everything they do. So they rename their businesses with God's name on them. <laughs> I thought, very interesting. Because I've seen a lot of people that, that the only time they say Jesus in a nice way is uh, when they come to church. I thought, maybe we've, we've missed something. I'm not telling you to rename your business. You know, but are we adding Jesus to our life? Are we putting him in the mix? He's another ingredient? Or do we get saved and say, old life is gone. New life starts right here. I disassociate. I wonder if anyone needs to burn the books. Whether those are real books or they represent something else. Something else ungodly, something else unholy, disrespectful from the old life. And we say, you know what? I'm either going to be a, a real believer of a real child of God or I'm not. And I decide I'm going all in. I'm going to cut off some of these. I'm going to burn some of these things so I can't go back. So I can't revert to the old way of thinking and living. So I need to cut off some relationships for at least for a period. I need to do some things different because now I belong to Him. And this is the heart and the attitude, the commitment that these people had in the early church. When they got saved, it's done now. I belong to Him. And does that work? I'm telling you, that's the only way it works. To try to live a Christian life with one foot in the world and one foot in the church is a difficult life. But when we approach it like them, like they did, we repent and we turn away. Now all of a sudden we're walking in the fullness of God's blessing, the fullness of His power, and He can use that bunch. Amen. What are they, what, what's going on? They have the fear of the Lord. They have the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They have decrees from heaven. The Word of God continually comes to them. So they're strengthened. And they have this all-in mentality. They have this, I'm not here to compromise and be half in and half out. But they come confessing and telling and burning in this house, in this atmosphere. What happens? The word of the Lord grows mightily and prevails. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is not just to be added to our lives that only waters down the, the, the version. That waters down the message. It only, it only serves to hinder God's power. But when we approach it this way, mm-hmm, nothing can stop this mighty moving force. Amen. And that's us. The church. Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Amen. Father, thank you for working in our lives today.